I think I'm going to try to move this uh, down here today. If the sound works okay. Feels a little too far removed, our small little intimate crowd. I would say we could like circle up and that would probably, that's the greatest sin of COVID world to do so. So I won't, I won't do that, but um, I'm trying to spit on the, you guys close, but uh, need to be a little bit closer together. Um, hope everyone is doing well. I'm going to pray for us as we come to God's word. I know that um, there are many out with holidays. There are many I've heard uh, quarantining from uh, wedding exposures, uh, many that have COVID, uh, our families have COVID. Um, so we just need to continue to pray. Pray for our congregation, pray for health, pray for traveling, mercies, pray for all the things that are upon us. So let's go to the Lord. Jesus, thank you that you are good to us, uh, even when uh, it's difficult, even when it's dark outside, um, the light of the gospel shines within us. For all who know Jesus, you persevere us, you preserve us, you keep us, you hold us, you give us hope when things seem hopeless. Jesus, we pray tonight that you would be with all of our friends, uh, maybe family, uh, maybe those that have visited, those that have been around, those that are connected, that are home, that are they're sick or their loved ones are sick or they're, they're quarantined, um, they're uh, being cautious, they're uncertain, uh, maybe they're really struggling physically or maybe mentally, emotionally. I know that there's true of many. Um, Lord, we pray for your grace and your mercy. You offer peace uh, to the downtrodden, to the heartbroken. You offer healing to the sick. God, you offer friendship to those that are lonely, that are isolated, that are in need. Lord, those things are true for us as well. And we know our greatest need is to hear from you. Our greatest need is that our hearts would be full uh, with the beauty of Jesus. Despite the world, despite the trials, despite the suffering, Jesus, you meet us in unique ways. And you meet us most clearly in your word. So we pray, Lord, you would, you would be with us tonight. Uh, may this passage, uh, this text speak to us, may it hit us where we are, may it bring encouragement and challenge, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are taking uh, a little bit of a breather from Ecclesiastes. Some of us needed that, maybe myself the most. Um, good book, challenging book. Uh, and so we're going to take a four-week series on Advent. Um, Advent is, is the perfect season for this. Listen as I read uh, God's Word to us. I believe it's on the board here uh, together. I'm actually going to read uh, all of chapter... No, I'm not. I'm going to read the first 12 verses of chapter uh, of 64 of Isaiah. This is the Word of the Lord. Isaiah says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. As when the fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil. To make your name known to your adversaries. And that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for. You came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From of old no one has heard or perceived by the ear. Nor I have seen a God beside you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember you. In your ways, behold, you were angry and we sinned. In our sins, we have been a long time. And shall we be saved? 
We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are a potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look. We are all your people. I'm going to read three more verses. Your holy cities have been a, will become a wilderness, and Zion has become a wilderness, Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and beautiful house where our fathers praise you has been burned by fire, and all our pleasant places have become ruins. Will you restrain yourself at these things, O Lord? Will you keep silent and afflict us so terribly? This is the word of the Lord. Um, I mentioned earlier that Advent is a season of longing. It's a season of hope. Um, but Advent begins in the dark. Ryan brought that to mind. It's a perfect day outside for Advent to begin, right? The gloomiest, dreariest, wet, nasty, right? I'm surprised you came. Everyone was tempted to stay in bed or to stay at home on the couch. Um, but Advent begins in the dark because hope is only needed when hope feels lost, right? It's football season, and you know the, the games you watch. Uh, remember the famous Doug Flutie game in college with Boston College, the, the famous Hail Mary. Uh, Hail Mary's that um, the, it's when all hope is lost. Uh, the game is won by the other team. The offense has one shot. It's 50 yards away, and the quarterback just scrambles around, and he just reaches back and throws it as far as he can, hopes he can make it to the end zone, and there's a big, big pile of people trying to fight for the ball and just hope maybe someone on their team will come down with it, right? It's the last-ditch effort. It's the, uh, the last chance in despair, hopelessness. The team is lost. Um, that's what Advent is. It, it, uh, there's silence between uh, uh, the end of the Old Testament, between Malachi and Matthew, right? Four or five hundred years. The prophets haven't spoken. There's nothing. God is silent. Uh, will he respond again? Is he going to be true to his word? Um, and then John the Baptist comes preparing the way of the Lord. It's uh, the Advent season. It prepares us. But it begins, the first point tonight, first thought, it begins with desperation. Desperation. Uh, verse 1 uh, verse one and verse 9 uh, sort of begins and ends with pleading. He says in verse 1, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, Isaiah says, that the mountains might quake at your presence. And verse 9, uh, verse 9 says, Behold, please look. Isaiah's talking to God. Please look. We are your people, he says. It's the cry of the heart. The people of God have been in Babylon in captivity, but they've been released uh, the Persian pagan king Cyrus has released them to go back. and They've gone back. They're back in Israel, right? Back where the temple was. Back in the homeland. And yet it's not the same. The land has been destroyed. The, the temple's in ruins. New people have inhabited the land. The, the few uh, Israelites that were still there have intermarried with the pagans. and It's not what it once was. 
they now find themselves strangers and aliens in their own homeland. Oppressed. They were freed from oppression and yet they are lost at home. Isaiah's charge in verse 7 arises. God, for you have hidden your face from us. We, we, we're your people, but we can't find you. Where have you gone? Verse 1, the picture of rend the heavens. It's the idea that heavens is this big curtain and God's behind it and he, He's concealed. And Isaiah's reaching up, but all he sees is the curtain. And he says, would you just tear the curtain open and would you come down? Would you enter into the mess? We need your presence. That's the desperate plea. I don't know how good your life is or how bad your life is. Um, but, but more than we need better medicine or better schools or better vaccines uh, or better politicians, and we need all of those, right? We need the presence of God. We need God to come down. And that's what Advent's about. It's about longing and hoping that we might actually get to be in the presence of God. We need His presence. Verse 9 speaks of urgency, desperation. He says, behold, it means look intensely. And then he says it again, please look. So he doubles up, right? Behold, no, God, please look. We are your people. We are your people. It's despair. It's to cry, but it's built on relationship. You can't shut us out. You can't forsake us. You can't turn us off. We belong to you. We're your people. We're your children. He says, you're our father. A few verses later, he says, it's, it's the covenant. You've committed yourself. Um, it's the idea of sort of the prodigal son, right? We're, we're the long lost, rebellious. This is Israel. This is us. Rebellious child who's wandered, who's disobeyed, who's far from the Lord. But he's still our father. And we're still his son. No matter how much we've done, how far we've gone, you're still our dad. You're still our father. Um, I, if 2020 has taught us anything, <laughs> it, it should have taught us desperation, shouldn't it? It should have taught us desperation. Our routines have changed. Our comforts, our conveniences have changed. Schools changed. Social gatherings have ended, changed. Work's changed. Church has changed. Even Thanksgiving, did you see your family? Many didn't, right? It's changed. The new normal is loneliness, isolation, depression, anxiety, fear. This is what, this is what we live with. It's all changed, and um, we're we're like the uh, the attic in, in rehab. You know, we're thirty days in, and we're uh, we're detoxing from all the things that have have captured our heart. That we've given our we've let it satisfy or pacify us. You know, we we got the itches. You know, because we we can't run to the usual places for the fixes. It's desperate. It's lonely. It's dark. We need. We need something to quench the ache. We have options. I mean, we've got a lot of conveniences at home, right? At home, we've got food, right? We've got alcohol. We've got Netflix. We've got pornography. Uh, we've got all kind of things, online shopping, right? 
can click a button, Amazon, just, just the, that little sense of stimulus that feels pretty good. To kind of, we have options. We should be desperate. Hopefully we're finally seeing our desperation. Are we going to turn to those things? Some of our social comforts are taken away. Are we going to turn in our desperation? Are we going to look to the heavens? Isaiah says. Look to God in our desperation. Advent's the perfect season this year. It's perfect every year, but it's perfect for this year. Are we desperate for the Lord? Are we desperate? He goes further. Um, he goes further and shows us the cause of our desperation. It's not just the pandemic, by the way. That's the sort of low-hanging fruit. And certainly, the pandemic has brought up a lot. Um, not to mention election year, not to mention all the division in our country. All of that's brought up a lot, but that's sort of on the surface. Um, it's more, it's deeper. It's, it's, uh, it's like the doctor just, just treating the symptoms. Uh, there's something underlying, and we've got to know what it is. Isaiah probes, and he tells us the problem. There's two problems he, he identifies. One, look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, uh, talks about the Lord coming down and his, his fire kindles like brushwood. He says, to make your name known to your adversaries. Isaiah wants God to come down to deal with the enemies, the people that opposed God. There were people that opposed Israel. There were people that opposed them in the promised land. They opposed them. The pagan nations fighting and war, oppression. When they came back, they tried to, Ezra and Nehemiah tried to rebuild the temple, but there was oppression and there was, there was violence and there were those who were trying to stop the work that God had commissioned. There were enemies and Isaiah says, come down. There's an enemy out there. And the New Testament for us speaks in an even more difficult enemy. It speaks of, of an enemy that's spiritual that we don't see. That's at the behind, that's actually opposing the work of the church, the work of Christ in the world. Did you know that? There are forces, Ephesians 6, to remind you. Paul says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Because of that, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. There's evil force against us. We don't like to talk about that. That's kind of weird in our modern world to talk about evil spirits, evil forces. But behind division, behind the tension, behind the lack of truth and the moving away from Scripture, moving away from Christ at the center is a work of evil to take us, drift us from the Lord. They were enemies to Israel. More important, more enemies than we see in the world. More than a politics dividing us or COVID policies dividing us or race dividing us. There's evil at work to kill to steal, and to destroy. And I'll say this, um, sometimes we're so focused on the cultural problems. Um, the culture's always had those problems. That's the way of the culture. That's the way of the, that is the way of the world, 
right? This is the, the part of the pattern of the world. There will always be division and strife. And hopefully we see better days when we have good leadership and good laws that should look more and more like God wants it to. But the world's going to be the world. The place that can't be that the way, the place that can't be divided is here, is the people of God. We have a higher standard. We have the Spirit of God within us. It's not a coincidence. There are tactics, scheming. Are you aware of that? Do you pray against that? Do you pray? Right? Jesus says, pray. Keep us from the evil. Keep us from evil. Deliver us from evil or the evil one in the Lord's prayer. We pray against evil. The second problem, even closer to home, the end of verse 5 through 7, it's the evil in our own hearts. He says, behold, you were angry and we sinned. In our sins, we have been a long time. It wasn't we had a bad day, you know. We hadn't had our coffee yet. So our hearts have been rebellious and we've sinned. He says, shall we be saved? Is it possible? We've all become like one who is unclean. We've all, our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. We all fade like a leaf in our iniquities, like the wind that takes us away. There is no one, it sounds like Paul in Romans, there is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in your hand. Boy, that's something we don't really want to hear. It's easier, in fact, to blame the enemy, the spiritual enemy, or to blame the Democrats, or the Republicans, or the liberals, or the unchurched, or the, the whomever it may be that we don't like. It's much easier. It's their fault. But the truth is, in Isaiah's day and in our day, it has to start with our own hearts. It's not that there aren't real people to blame for real problems. There are. We live in the real world. So there are people that need to be accountable for things they do, and we need to hold them accountable, and we need to, to, to lead into the world with, their, with accountability. But the heart of Christianity has always been that the primary, pro, the, the primary place, the primary focus, the first focus, before we look outward at our spouse or our community, we look in, right? It's inside out. We look in our own hearts. We look at how we've lived. The circumstances might change. God's people have always dealt with circumstances. They've always been difficult. In fact, they've been way more difficult than what we're experiencing. But we're called in the difficulty to live faithfully, to live godly. Daniel in Babylon, right? Everyone's pagan. They're worshiping idols. He's called in that context to be faithful. To do so, we have to name our own sin. We have to name what's going on, what's in our own heart. Um... And this is where it's tricky, you know, in our, in our, I have to say this, in our cultural moment, um, when there's suffering and there's difficulty, uh, there's so much uh, that's been brought to light this year. Our divisions, uh, racism, uh, people that have been victimized, that have been exploited, that have been mistreated. In, in so many ways, there's so many good things that have been brought to light that the church needs to attend to and needs to care for, needs to take notice of, and needs to repent of. To be aware of, and, and I mean that sincerely, and there's more we need to be aware of. We need to ask more questions to understand the ways we as Christians have failed, the way the church has failed. But so often the move of compassion, the, the move of sympathy or empathy moves us away from calling sin, sin, to naming sin. You, are you familiar with this? Or you see this? You see it sometime in our churches, it, 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 and it, it 
It, it comes under code word, you know. We talk about wounding. We talk about brokenness. We talk about our hurts or our past. All of which are true. All of which are a part of the fall. Ways we have been sinned against. We need to name that. We need to, to heal from that. We need one another to encourage us in that. But we often, the pendulum swings in a way, we don't name our own sin. We don't name where we have fallen short. The idols of our own heart. Has COVID exposed your idols? It has mine in many ways. I find the ways that I, I want to be comforted. The things I used to do that would take my mind off, it's not there, it's not available. Are we aware? When you see the social media tension or the election or the tensions, do you find yourself being aroused in a way that doesn't honor the Lord? Isaiah says, uh, uh, it's, it's our own fault. The path of judgment. They were in exile because of their sin. Their sin. They were sinned against, but their sin. They had left the Lord. Israel, Isaiah says, we sinned and we became all like one who is unclean. Isaiah just told Israel, y'all became like lepers who were unclean. You were forced outside the temple. You were ostracized from the place where you met with God. That's what Isaiah just said to them. That's who the people of God are. Doesn't the gate that we've suffered and we've struggled and we have. And there's much compassion and yet there needs to be a sorrow for our own sin. It's even tricky because he says, even our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. Other translations say filthy rags, right? You know the, the translation, the, the, the menstruation rags is the idea, right? Great image for us there, right? That's what he's talking about. Even... Even the people of God, when they try to do good deeds, it's, it's, it's spoiled by our own wrong motivations, our own selfishness, our own ambition, our own efforts to commend ourselves to God if we do these good deeds. Isaiah says our hearts aren't pure. We need God to come down. We've got an enemy without. We've got an enemy within. We struggle. It starts with us. Um, my encouragement to you as Advent, um, let it, hopefully you feel something of the desperation of our culture. Let the desperation drive you to examination of your own heart. Not to stay there because you'd be crushed by it. Because we'll talk about, there's one that takes the sin and shame, right? But let it examine our hearts so that we can name, we can confess we can grieve, we can lament the difficulty of this year and the trials. We also can be cleansed of our own sin. Are you desperate? Do you, do you know the problems, the evil, out, the struggle of our own sinful heart? Finally, what do we do? What's the application? What do you do with your own sin? What do you do with our desperation? Verse 3 says, uh, 3 to 5, Isaiah's reflecting, when you did awesome things that we didn't even look for, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From, old, from, old, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No, I have seen a God beside you who acts for those who wait for him. You met him who joyfully works righteousness and, who's, and those who remember you in your ways, remembering the Lord. 
The final, the, the application is to remember. Is to remember. I have a, a good friend. It's really sad. His, uh, his mom is, is showing signs of dementia. It looks like Alzheimer's. Maybe you've experienced that. But um, sweetest lady, she's beginning to forget places and things and even people. Just what a terrible disease. A terrible disease. Just to, to forget the basic things. To, to not remember all the years, all the people, and all the things. It's brutal. It's painful. It's terrible to forget. And, and um, while we're able, while we have our mind, Isaiah says we need to remember. We need to remember. Our faith needs us to remember. How do you get out of the hole? How do you get out of the spiritual depression, the discouragement? It's the work of the Spirit, but we aid that work as we remember what God has done. In the turmoil and, and depression, Isaiah recounts when God has acted. We recount what God has done. When He did come down the mountain, He's come down before. Israel was in bondage in Egypt and God heard the cries of the people and He freed them, right? Moses, let my people go and they were freed. And God did miracle after miracle. And in the wilderness, what did they do? They said, Moses, this is too hard. Let's go back. <laughs> they were in slavery. And He says, no, remember. But in the, in, in, in the desert, God came down to Mount Sinai. God came down and the heavens shake, shook before. God gave them the law, His Word to His people. Notice the, the text says this. This is helpful for us. You did awesome things that we did not look for. We weren't even aware of them. Um, we, we need to plead. We need to ask. We need to cry out. Um, so, so often, we, we, when we're desperate, we'll go to God, but we have forgotten so many of the things He's done. It's like the conversation you ever have with an atheist that says, I can't believe a God like that does this, this, and this. And I said, well, you don't believe in a God anymore. <laughs> you don't believe in God to begin with. How can you disagree with something you don't believe in, right? You know, believe in all the blessings, and all the goodness that God has given. In Psalms, there's a whole category of Psalms called Redemptive Historical Psalms. And they're often the longer psalms. And they just kind of line upon line go upon what God has done. It says He has acted, our text says. He has acted for us. He has shown up. He has done things. He has intervened in the lives of the patriarchs, in the lives of the people of God. And guess what? In Jesus, we're a part of that family history. So when you read your kids the story of David and Goliath, it's not the story of these people way long ago. It's our family lineage. It's like, let me tell you what God did with our family a long time ago. We were threatened to be extinct. You're, you're not Goliath. I mean, you're not David, little guy. Sorry. <laughs> you're not David with your stones. But our whole people were going to be wiped out. And we wouldn't have a church today. But God saved us. This is what God did. This is what he's done for us. He's preserved our family tree. And this is what God's done here. And this is what God's done here. And we have one up, right, on Isaiah. Because Isaiah is asking God to come down, the heavens to be torn. And we know the reality in Jesus. What? That's what happened. 
God came down again. Isaiah's looking back to Mount Sinai. God, you came down then. Would you come down now? And now we're on the other side. And so you've, you've come down the mountain twice. You came down with the law to show us how to live. You came down in Jesus to accomplish what we could not do. So we hope because of that, would you come again in glory? Would you bring us home? Would you complete the work in Jesus? We cry out. We cry out. We know the full story. Isaiah says, Behold, please, we're your people. Please look. <laughs> Isaiah had no idea. Can you imagine talking to the prophets? They're writing all these prophecies that become fulfilled in Jesus, but yet they had no idea how that would look, right? What, what do you think they imagined that would be? How, how would God intervene? Would he just wipe out the enemies in Israel and they would restore the land, the small little place? But God's plan was bigger, right? He literally, the curtain would be torn and God would enter in. He'd enter in a manger. Jesus would come. He would live. He would suffer. He would rescue Rescue his people. This is Advent. I want to encourage you. Um, you know, I don't know how many of you do family devotions, or if you're married with your spouse, or if you're single with a, with a roommate, or if you live alone, call a friend. Uh, I would encourage you. To, Advent's a great season, right? To, um, to to do a devotional. There's some there's some good Advent material. If you need some help finding some, I can point you to some. I know John Piper has a lot of free Advent devotionals online. But let this be a time to, 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 to reawaken your longing. Reflect on 2020. <laughs> some of you, I see some of you have had such awful years. Death, suffering, struggle. We've all exp experienced the social dynamics that have been, they just stink, right? Reflect on them and let them make you desperate. Not for the next Netflix series, but desperate for the Lord. And then as you're desperate, look at your own heart. Pray against the e evil one. Pray for the church against the forces. Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail. So let's pray. And then let's confess. I'm, I'm a mess. I don't, COVID's racked me. I'm struggling, Lord. Here's my sin. But the good news is, you knew that? You knew that at Isaiah... You knew they were a mess coming back from, from bondage in Babylon. And yet he still came down. He still came down for us. He still came down to rescue us. Remember the works of God. Remember him in history. Remember him in Jesus. Remember him in your own life. Remember your own testimony. Remember when you didn't know Jesus and now you do. Remember the rescue of God. And as we do, it will force us to look ahead. He'll come not just once, twice, but He'll come again fully in glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You for the goodness, the goodness of the Gospel, that it is true. It's true whether we feel it or whether we uh, acknowledge it or not, but way we know it this season. May the struggle that is real, that is difficult, may it drive us to our knees to cry out, together comfort your people comfort us please lord we are your children you are our father show up may this advent season may our hearts grow may they long may they increase 
for you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.